Yo, 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 everyone! Really happy to have you here today. Happy Chinese New Year! So I'm really happy to be with you here on Chinese New Year, and I'm happy that you tune in on Chinese New Year. I've prepared for you three days of special content revolving around the Chinese financial habits, some things you can do with your money, your angpao money this year, and how to make Chinese New Year more fun. So yeah, once again, I wish you a happy Lunar New Year this year in 2020. And we're gonna start today's episode with three weird Chinese financial practices in Singapore. So yes, our forefathers, the Chinese people, came from China many, many years ago and they were dirt poor back then. That was the reason why they left. Most of us are from the South, right? So whether you're from Fujian, you are from, you know... Um One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Guangdong, or whether you're from Chaozhou, Hainan, whatever. Okay, and for those who are not Chinese but tuning in today, great for you, right? Cool stuff. You're gonna learn some interesting thing about how the Chinese manage their finances. Something's weird, right? But we still do it today. <laughs> so yes, we came over because we were dirt poor. We stayed really, really far from the capital. The closer you are from the capital, the wealthier you were. That's kind of how all the olden days, all the bureaucracy and all the empires. That's kind of how they work. The further you away. From the capital, the poorer you are. So we're dirt poor, huh? So you get the idea. We came to Singapore not because we were very rich, huh? Because we were very jealous, huh? We needed to go to somewhere else to establish a new life. So ultimately, we came here and we brought over some interesting practices that, to today, had some, you know, uh, remnants of it going around. And I find them really weird that they're still going on. And I want to talk about it, right? I want to talk about. Yeah, this with every one of us to give us some thoughts about you know how then should we manage our finances today and how then as a family we can support each other in this process of wealth accumulation and progressing in life and ultimately create a better life and the life that you love. So the first weird Chinese financial practice in Singapore is this concept of family contribution. <laughs> Which means the moment you start working, you're expected to give some family allowance, you know. The moment you start working. And that is a very, very interesting concept because if you look at it from uh, the history's viewpoint, in the past, all of us were born into the trade. That means if your family is a merchant family and you're born, you, so you're born into a merchant family, you will become a merchant. If your family is a baking family, you will become a baker. If your family is in the bureaucracy, you will become one of the bureaucrats, right? So people were born into the trade, right? And they managed finances collectively, so there will be the clan leader and then there'll be a family. There'll be like, you know, a, a kind of structure at home where everybody works for the family and money is distributed as a collective. So there is a collective way of managing finances back then. 
you know. But today, times have changed. My goodness, every generation is starting a new trade. We all are exploring something that we're interested in. We are not bound by the trade at home. So every time when we are starting something new, let's say your family works in banking and you decide to join nursing or you decide to do property or anything, you realize that the family's connection and the kind of wealth of information that they've gathered over time is not applicable to where you are. So essentially, every generation is starting something from scratch. So when you're starting something from scratch, you kind of need all the help that you can get, right? (laughs) So when you need all the help that you can get, you need the financial resources that you have so that you can go out to network and connect and, you know, become more influential in that particular industry and learn more things about the trade that you're in. But if every month you're expected to contribute an amount to the family, that's going to be like an endless, that's trying to feel a leaking bathtub, you know. And it's, uh, to me, very, very not logical. Because the idea that you, your family wants you to support them, right? it's, it's, it's okay, it's cool, right? Because um, Chinese family kind of believes in this, right? Ultimately, the family gave you your clothing, your food and everything. And then at the end of the day, you know, when the family cannot support themselves, then you, you want to be able to support your parents. So I think that is, that's perfectly fine. And it's um, quite an okay thing that I, I can subscribe to that. But to immediately want me to contribute to family expenses right from the get-go that I'm just getting a job and I just joined an industry, that is hurting me you know, more than helping me in the long run. Because most of the time, when your family takes this extra contribution, they are not going to be you know, uh, investing for the better future. They're not going to be saving for the better future. Most, most family, I'm not saying all, but surrounding me and most, most of the time when I hear my uncle and aunties talk about it, right? When they take the money, they're going to spend it. <laughs> they're not going to be planning for the future. They are expecting you to plan for your own future while they suck, you know, this little bit of money out of you as a kind of like a gratitude or this kind of like expected kind of thing, you know, where you contribute a few hundred dollars every month and they're going to use it to have fun and do their thing because to them, it feels like a buy, right, ma? My investments, right? They invest in you and then they reap a reward out of you every month. But to me, this is extremely unhealthy and extremely unhelpful and in some case, really weird because if all of us are trying to create a new life, trying to create and join an industry that the family cannot help us with, right? Then we need all the resources, we need all the help. And more often than not, money in our hands if we do it well we can manage our finances and bring us in a stronger position to ultimately take care of the family it's not that we don't want to take care of the family but you know i don't i don't particularly subscribe to this whole monthly contribution right from the get-go when you just got a got a home you know where you just got a job hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So I'm 
very very grateful that my my mom doesn't like you know chase me for monthly contribution that's probably why i'm in a much better financial state than a lot of my friends because you see everyone they graduate they have loads of student debt and then they still got to contribute to the family because it's kind of like a unsung you know expectation which to me is really weird all right so to me you know, you got to talk to your parents about these, you know, they can, you can let them listen to the podcast and just give them some idea that it's no longer the past. We no longer manage the family finances as a collective and we are not in the same trade. Every generation is trying to start a new trade and start a new life and we need all the resources that we can get, all the resources that we can provide ourselves to ultimately be in a better shape to take care of them and not, you know, have them keep, you know, leaking our finances out and for them to have fun while we struggle with our lives and ultimately still expect us to take care of them. So to me, that is really weird and something that you definitely need to talk to your parents about and revisit. Cool? And the next point, the next thing is this concept of being a landlord. So I think the Chinese really, really like to buy property and they always have this concept, buying property is good, you know, buy a property, everything is about buying property. (laughs) But if you look at it in the ancient times in China, there, there wasn't an exchange. The stock exchange in China was one of the last, you know, one of the older ones. You know, it came in about in the nineteen, the early nineteen hundreds, and most people won't have access to it because they live in very, very poor parts of China. So, how do most people manage their finances and kind of like invest? You know, the central idea it's property because you buy a property, you buy another property, you lease it out. There's a really old way of investing, and the Chinese till today has stuck on to this mindset that owning a property is good. But many people don't realize that owning a property in Singapore is very complicated, right? Because you have eighty percent of people that live in uh, HDB, which is a social housing thing. It's not even a property. <laughs> we'll talk about that next month. So being a social housing uh, scheme, you know, you, you don't see it as owning a property. The bank doesn't take HDB as a mortgage. Yeah. So that one's something you need to realize. There. We'll talk about the realities of HDB. But to own a private property in Singapore, your income needs to be, you know, pretty decent, you know, at least 8000 to 10000 to make it even financially logical to buy a property. So owning a property is so traditional and so old school that it's no longer applicable in in today's time, at least for most of us, right? There'll be a few of us that are doing really well financially and we can definitely afford. But for the majority of us, you know, it's not that we cannot live a great life. It's just that owning a property in Singapore is really, really tough. And the concept of being a landlord, it's like um, a bit ancient, right? Because these days, uh, you need to realize that being a landlord is not as fun as what you think. You can... You know, you need to fix the house, you need to make sure it's good, you need to make sure your tenant pays up. There are a lot of little nitty-gritty things in between that is very complicated and very difficult, very challenging. So if you want to make money, you want to invest, you can consider REITs. If you want to, you know, invest and make more money, you can look at the stock exchange, you can buy other commodities. There are a lot more interesting things today than just buying a property. So if to you being a landlord it's it's a it's a thing then you really got to revisit why do you have this mindset is it because everyone around you says buying property is good or do you actually know what you're doing 
right? So this is something that I find really, really weird, but many people have and still have this mindset about being a landlord. Uh, it's a weird financial practice that you all want to save money to buy a property. So owning HDB is very different, yeah? We'll talk about it another time, but if you're, you know, thinking of saving money, saving money, saving money to buy a property and hope that you can prosper through this property, then I really question the fundamentals of your understanding about how properties work in Singapore. All right, so revisit that. I think it's something weird. We got to look at it. Not too late. We're still young. It brings me to my third point. Everyone talks about this. Save, 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 save. <laughs> There's an endless amount of savings. Everyone talk about savings. And in the grand scheme of personal finance, savings is but a small part of it all. And I feel extremely uncomfortable when everyone just talks about, hey, you've got save money. You know, always about saving, saving, saving. This is a very, very old way of thinking. Today, in this day and age, we got to talk about how do we spend smart. We got to talk about how do we invest. We got to talk about how do we manage our future finances. There are a lot more elements than just savings. So, if all you talk about and all your family talk about is savings, then I, you know, I'm glad you're here because we can learn about the other elements of personal finance. You know, and yeah, to me that's extremely weird. You shouldn't just be talking about savings. When people ask you about savings, ask them about, ask them another question. Do you how do you spend? How do you spend smart? Right? Ask them that. I feel that we don't have enough conversation about spending smart. There's too much talk about savings, 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 savings. And to me that is weird. So I sum up my day today and the first day of Chinese New Year, these three weird Chinese financial practices in Singapore. First thing is this concept of family contribution. The second is this idea of being a landlord. And the third is this concept of endless amount of savings. I find these, things, these three things really weird. I'm not sure about you, but I hope to hear from you. Ultimately, everyone have their own practices and have their own habits. So I really want to hear from you. Anything, just email me, chat me, and join us on our Telegram. And I'll see you tomorrow on another special episode for Chinese New Year where we're going to talk about three things that you can make Chinese New Year more fun. See ya! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 